What's up, world? You are now listening to another episode of the Power Post Game Report, where we are here to talk all things power. We are currently talking about Season 3, Book 2 of Ghost, Episode 4, The Land of Opportunity. That's a lot of numbers. I, of course, am one half your host, Triple D, and with me as always is... This is Carlos D. What's going on? How you holding up, sir? Hanging in there. Another week in the books. Another episode of Power to get into. So I'm I'm feeling good, man. Can't complain. How about yourself? Same. Making it in this thing called life. Um, and um, I was pretty pleased with this episode. I can't think of too many gripes off top, but I, I felt pretty good about this episode. Um, I'm not going to say it was blown away, but, uh, you know, our moving parts are moving. And uh, this 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 one opened up a lot of doors, especially one that I didn't even see um, until... I was messing around on TikTok, but we'll, of course, get to that when we get to that. How did you feel about the uh, initial thoughts on the episode? Agreed. Like, this was not an A+, but I think it was pretty solid all around. It moved the story along. And like I said, opened up some new opportunities and new possible theories that we can kind of discuss as we, you know, do our detailed recap. Um, but I agree. I think this was a solid episode. Can't complain about much of it. Um, even the normal power logic was not even, like, doing like it normally would do. So I, I, I enjoyed it. Overall, very, very solid episode from just the overall nice. standpoint. That being said, we're going to get right into it. Business is booming. The, the what is it, no cap, all frap, whatever their, their, their uh, homemade Starbucks. Yeah. yeah. It, business is booming. Um, they're getting orders in by the, by the tons. Uh, Effie is running things while our Wall Street boys are out doing their Wall Street thing. Uh, we, I, I'm wondering if this is going to be a reoccurring character. Uh, it's my man, Tiny. I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't go the way of BG. All right. He's like uh, a new but, BG. Right. Lovable, not bad, uh -huh. you know, trying to do his best, working hard, messing up a little bit because he's just kind of off on his game. Uh, but Effie was definitely showing that she is a boss. The one thing that I, that I don't like about the show is like how much that the main people are, are are connecting themselves to the product. They're constantly in the room with drugs. In, in real life, you definitely want to oversee your operations, but you don't want to be around the product as much as they are. Like you don't want to constantly be in the same room constantly because it leads to the possibility that somebody runs up there and you get nabbed with the product and then you, you're basically fucked. Um, and it seems like Effie is always the one that is for anybody that's a part of the Natahadas, is always connected to Parra. You never see Tariq moving product other than when he's in the warehouse occasionally. Braden doesn't really touch it as much, but Effie is always like the source of making shit run. And I appreciate that as a um, you know a, a female lead. I think she is doing her job to hold down the power and hold down her spot as the boss because she not only was educating her employers, uh, employees. Telling them about good business practices. Like, she's really good at her aspect of her job. And I appreciate that, even though we know her job is something that she doesn't really like to do. She knows it's wrong, um, which was a theme throughout this episode. But she still does because she, even though you can argue, there's other ways to find ways that people do it all the time. People find ways to make it in life without doing illegal activities. So she finds ways to justify it. Uh, but once she does it, at least she's trying to do it right. Indeed, I agree. Um, I kind of I feel what you're saying, but at the same time, it's like it it kind of makes sense in this particular situation because Effie is the most qualified. She's got the most experience with that um, of our of our school kids. And plus, it just it makes more sense 
for Braden and Tariq to to maintain appearances since, you know, one lost a case and the other one beat a case. Um, it makes more sense to kind of have them away from it. Uh, obviously, Effie has taken a risk herself, but at the same time, it's like they don't have the time and um, the long-term experience that Ghost and Tommy had to where Ghost could, you know, maintain the the outside front and while Tommy could do the, the behind the scenes stuff. Um, but yeah, like she's just truthfully, you know, the most qualified for the position. Um, and, and she shows it immediately. Um, from there we go to a very, uh, well, <laughs> at least it started out nice. Uh, a very kind of nice opening to a scene. Uh, the Tejadas have a, a really nice memorial to Zeke. Um, I like that because you rarely see this kind of thing. You usually, uh, by the time these things pop up in movies and TV shows, it's already got a billion candles and teddy bears and stuff. I like that they were the first ones to place a candle at uh, Zeke's memorial. Um, and it's immediately interrupted by Detective Whitman uh, going entirely too hard. And it was just one of those things where it's just like as soon as he popped up and he starts going hard, as hard as he was going with the family present, I was like, it's just a matter of time before he's taken out of here um to be continued uh how did you feel about that leading into the family meeting um for one it made me miss zeke i like like as goofy as he was i miss his dumb goofy looks his weird <laughs> you know just lost like, mannerisms I like i said i still don't understand either this guy was like the greatest actor of all time or he's really like this huge dope but i'm gonna give him his credit and say he's just a good actor but i just miss how goofy he was and this made me miss zeke um and then of course dickman like you call him dickman for a reason Full on asshole display. Um, one thing I do appreciate is like the entire family was standing up for Monet. As bad as Monet is to them and as dysfunctional as they are, when he was kind of crossing the line, all of them were saying something in her defense. Even though we all know Monet is not the best to her family. Especially this season in, in her grieving of Zeke. She's been rude, nasty, and acts like Zeke was her only child. And not that she has three more, three more at home that are still alive and still need love and support. Um, and then also a husband who they say they love each other a bunch of times in this episode, but the entire time, every time they say it, our question is if they really believe it or not. I, actually, I think Zoe may really believe it, but Monet on the opposite, I don't know if she really loves her husband. Um, so, yeah. uh, I mean, the, the Tahadas, at least whenever confronted by outside threats, always seem to be rock solid, even though they're constantly in fighting. Um, and that's what sometimes what family is. So, why don't you talk about how she did Diana? and the the meeting right it's like her her hatred for her daughter is a wild it's like diane is like trying to go and she's like this is a fam a private family meeting and it's like like am i not in this family why am i even at this goddamn memorial who invited me to be here if i'm not a, considered a part of the family um so i look at it that way one way is just monet is being overly disrespectful to her daughter uh, but i also see the opposite is like there's also this thing where diana has said i don't want to be a part of this life anymore I don't want to be involved in the shenanigans you guys do. I want to be a regular student and go off to college. So Monet should shut her out of that business. Um, now, granted, we, we know Monet is doing it for petty reasons as opposed to, you know, virtual, you know, virtuous ones. Um, but uh, Diana really shouldn't be in the meeting, given what the meeting was about. Because um, we know when they, as they go into the meeting scene, it's about how they're moving, the, how they're moving Noma's product, how they have gotten the Castillo boys involved, and all the moves they've made and made while Monet has been technically checked out of the game. Um, so what, what were your thoughts about it? Uh, same. I thought it was wild. She, I was, all I kept thinking was like, she's putting Diana in a position where 
she's pretty much begging her to betray her, um, which they do a really nice swerve later in the episode. But it's just like it's at that I the same way you felt about Kane got to stop bullying um, Braden. Oh, I'm like dad. Monet got to stop doing this mess to Diana because it's it's gonna come back to bite her at some point. Um, so as you said, the it, the meeting is essentially uh, Monet fresh off killing who she suspected to be uh, Zeke's murderer. She's kind of trying to come back and take charge of everything as if she wasn't, you know, on, uh, I guess you could say, uh, sabbatical for mm-hmm. three months. And it was just, a, I mean, I got it, but at the same time, it was kind of a, an awkward scene uh, because she really tried to, like, take over everything when... Uh, an episode and a half ago, she kind of couldn't care less for real, for real. Um, all she wanted was Zeke's murderer. Right. And they're trying to tell her that, like, here's what we have in place. Here's what's working. And she's, you know, she's gone right back to season one. Just like, nah, shut it down. I don't want none of that. And it's just like, yo, you. But also not coming up with an alternative. Um, we get Lorenzo doing a really good job of kind of playing both sides of not being completely outwardly showing favoritism to Kane, um, but kind of, you know, playing it as like, nah, it's smart business. We need to do it this way and we'll, we'll handle it later. Right. Um, which is a great, he's playing that role. Great. Uh, but we also get, we also get drew like, yo, something's up with these two, uh, once they leave, of course. Um, and Monet, you know, pretty much catching on to it as well. Anything on that before we move forward? No, I think I think you said it up pretty well. I mean, it just showed the constant dysfunction, and then also that uh, nobody's blind to change the, the change in the dynamic between Zoe and Kane. Everybody has seen it. Drew sees it. Monet, even though she's been shut down, like you said, the last three months, she also sees it as well. Um, and you 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 knew it was gonna happen because he's treating his father like way too harshly. You know what I mean? It's not like he's just like okay holding the little thing over his head, but you can't flip from being like kind of subservient to your dad to now. You basically half the time telling you fuck you, you know what I'm saying? Uh and that's kind of what he his his even though he doesn't say that exactly, but that's kinda the way he's been treating his father, the demeanor of it all. So I think you hit it right on the head. Alright, so from there we go to a little nice little cozy bar where Sullivan is meeting with Sax and pretty much pumping him for information, but not literally pumping him, which is probably why he's been so thirsty as of late whenever he meets up with Sullivan. Uh the the main thing about this was that Sax gave up that he got a picture of all three of them in the same room. Um, he also saw that she has a second phone and he Sax is I mean, I sometimes I can't tell if Sax is moving like uh, a former AUSA trying to not, you know, take down a bad guy and get all the info or a shady person in a situation ship because <laughs> but I mean. I feel like a shady person in a situation ship is probably makes the best investigator. Um, and, you know, I'll turn it over to you. But the main thing I got from this was like sack. I mean, not sacks. Sullivan is at, it, her deliveries and her the way she treats sacks is super weird, considering that, like, she's she's being shady herself. She's not doing things 100 percent by the book herself. And. She doesn't quite have the high ground she thinks she has. Like, Sax is doing this out of, like, a sort of sense of nobility. He kind of owes her, but not really. 
um, in, in a cutthroat world where people do anything to save their careers, he could easily be, it could have been like, nah, you're on your own and let it, let it be. But he's, you know, he's risking a lot. And it's like, I'm not saying this has nothing to do with the whole, you know, them being physical, but more so like she being real short with dude, like she's not moving shady herself. Mm-hmm. How'd you feel about it? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I do don't like how they like play sax off as like this just jealous lover, um, as opposed to like really doing his job. Um, but I, I agree with what you're saying. Like we we know Jenny Sullivan is not as uh, shady as Sax has been in the past, but she is also not no like white knight where she hasn't done anything wrong or anything that wasn't exactly by the books. Um, so I, I'm interested how this dynamic plays out. She's been playing him, and I don't know if she's just really invested in this case or whatever it is, but she's been playing him real left when it comes to, um just their general interactions like they stop sleeping with each other even though they kind of reference it and then she has been playing them weird um so i want to see how long term now that we know how to, the episode goes and she and he knows more about what they're trying to build as far as this rico case how it's gonna all play out between the entire task force because they all are shady they all are hiding stuff from each other and is that kind of environment really going to be conductive to them doing what their job is to do which is take down the tahadas and interreek Indeed, indeed. It's going to be interesting going forward. Uh, from there, we go to um, our our hideout meeting. And uh, Tariq finally got himself a car. And he picks the most subtle car he could possibly pick. Uh, this Hot Wheels car. How did you feel about our boy? Finally got some wheels. Uh, I agree. I think it is. Good. I mean, we know that that's been a running joke for three years that Tariq is always moving around. He even makes the joke that he used to drive a BMW, and um, I've heard black men walking along, you know, since I was a kid, uh-huh. a teenager. Um, but exactly, he wouldn't get that Porsche uh, if he's smart. Like this is literally a guy who was just on trial, who's been accused of all types of nefarious things, has no notable income. Uh, all we know is he has an unpaid, and I think it's an unpaid internship at the Western Holdings. So for him to be pulling up, and we know also it's known that he doesn't have access to his trust. So for him to have that bright as or expensive as um, Porsche, I wish they would have just gave him like a, like a Subaru or something, something that made more sense. Um, but I get it. I think they just want to kind of show him something flashy because this this has been a running joke uh, for the last three years that Tariq never has a car. Go ahead and talk about Effie's kind of problem in this crush of uh, of Kane. Yeah, and this Kane is laying it on thick. Um, so he confronts, basically confronts Effie in this scene, um, and he knows that Effie killed Lauren. Um, and how he knows, I'm assuming he just thinks because he knows Brady didn't do it, and Brady only has a handful of other people who he interacts with. He knows Tariq didn't know it because Tariq had let Lauren go. So his only other option is, to, is and he, you know, this is some good deductive reasoning about Kane is that Effie probably was involved in Lauren's death. So he confronts her about it, basically. Uh, he also is basically also trying to push up on her. Like, why you want to be with a guy who would put you in a situation? I, you know, kind of out. That that same negative shit that anybody that's trying to swoop somebody's girl. is Dirty Mac in 101. Exactly. Dirty Mac when you are basically trying to backplay her partner for your own game. So I think that's kind of effed right. up. And I, But I respect Effie that she, she doesn't go for it. She doesn't flirt back. She makes it known I'm still with Tariq. Tariq is my number one priority. And please stop this goofy shit. Um, so uh, basically the scene ends with him basically saying, I know it, it I know it to be true. She's saying, I'll, I'll tell Tariq when I'm ready to do it because I don't want to hurt him. And he basically tells her, well, I'm going to do it if you don't do it. So make it happen, you know, immediately. So what do you think about it? Uh, yeah, it just classic dirty macking. Um, word to 
book one's MVP, Dirty Mac, Terry Silver. Um, but yeah, Kane, Kane landed on way too thick. And it's it's the confidence that if it ever came to blows, he he could put the hands on Tariq. And he's more likely to run up on Tariq with a gun before Tariq, you know, really realized what was going on. Um, but yeah, she really did her thing, you know, shutting it down like just, you know, she and plus he has no idea that like while she is great at this life, she actually does want to exit this life. Um, she don't want to be, you know, the uh, the drug queen um, to his kingdom. And, it, you know, it just wouldn't work. I mean, on paper, they're probably the best fit for each other if she were really about living this life for life. Um, but she's not. Um, that's why she's you know, she fits better with Tariq. Um so the meeting is pretty much, if you, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole spiel. Uh, it's pretty much my pet peeve and it's unrealistic villain demands. Um, he had five 20 somethings, our Power Rangers, if you will, uh, get rid of a ton of drugs. Now he wants them to move guns. Um, just, you know. Go listen to last week's episode if you haven't already. Um, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know my thoughts on on unreasonable villain demands. What, what did you think about that request? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was the same goofy thing. Um, the only thing that I got out of the fun part, of, it was at least it was a fun part of it when he hurt Braden's villain. They call him a pale little gnome. Yeah, and he was like, that hurt. <laughs> so That was kind of um, wild. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you talked about it a lot in detail last week where uh, it's always these villains that are constantly threatening our core group of people. Um, you know, move my product or you're dead. And at some point, it's just going to get boring. Like, we get it. They know they're under threat. They know they're under danger. You don't have to constantly express it. They know the results if they mess up. Uh, so I think it's just like over the top bad guy is isn't bad guy ism, if that is a word. Um, mm-hmm. And it is getting kind of it's making me not really like these new villains because it's like we like throughout the series we you know going back to Lobos and uh, all the other the Serbi uh, the was the Serbians all these people yeah. they always put this threat of danger of course over the the good guys uh, you know if you want to call them good guys. Um, but I'm, it's just like it's overkill with this group, so I'm not really feeling them. I'm hoping at some point they will make them more well well rounded, around excuse me, well rounded, as opposed to them. Oh, every time they show up, it's just give me some money, or I'm gonna kill you. We right. get it. We know that's we know this is gonna happen. Let, let's right. move on from that. Right. Babysit this kid, or I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. Like it's Whatever, just baby. it's a, it's a lot. Um, and it's like get you know. Flush out these villains a little more because Noma's shown up once. We haven't seen her since. And at least make make henchman number one like a little more interesting. Um I mean, I'm I'm cool with the zingers. You know, he called uh he called he called uh Effie Little Orphan Annie last week. This week it's you know, Braden being a little gnome. Um so you know, give me some zingers, but give me a little more personality instead of the the same we know. If they fail, they die. Just give us a little more. Um, so from there, we go to class. Uh, this was, this was a, I mean, we're older and we're a little more, you know, we have, I, I guess you could say, a lot of broader discussions and, and interests. Um, it's, a, it's a conversation that's been had many a time. It's not a new conversation, but the way they illustrated this 
to kind of paint the picture of what's actually happening. Um, and, you know, they set it to a visual scale. I thought that was perfect where certain things out of your control, because these are you got to remember, these are these are all, you know, college kids. And up to this point, a lot of decisions in their life were 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 made for them without, you know, their knowledge or control. And to see where a lot of them stood um, when it was all said and done. And, and it's one of those things that like we and a lot of us inherently know, but to see it physically, um, it was it was interesting, as well as the reactions to um, some of the other people that were further in front, because um, it's like on the one hand. They have a point in that you had that, you know, you need to acknowledge that you've had some advantages. But on the other hand, he can't help what his parents did for him. His parents put him in a, you know, the white dude, his parents, you know, did what they could. Um, and we don't know if it was all legit or if it was just, you know, or if they they did it the right way. Uh, quote, quote, quotation marks. Um, the fact of the matter is he's he's where he's at. And a lot of the, the decisions that were made for him, you know, he he feels like he shouldn't have to apologize for that. Um, it is what it is. You know, I'm sure. Well, I, we don't know this kid that well, but like, I'm sure I, it's possible you could say that in a in another world or even in this current world, he would like things to be more fair. Uh, but we also have to be uh, we also have to acknowledge that the reality is it, it isn't. Um, how did you feel about that? I also, I also want to talk about how Tariq wrote family on his, um, but go ahead and talk about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen this example in my real life, like in my real profession, um, where we, where, you know, a lot of diversity training and stuff like that, where they do this real life. I've, I've been involved in this real life example, this example in real life, like that the exact same scenario where they talk about, uh, it's normally they. It, it's not always the same, but it's normally like uh, it's like a race. They always talk about some race to whatever it may is, and then they tell one person to do this, do that. The other person may has to can take one step every time you go. The other person has to do three sixty to spin. Uh, so it just kind of talks about different things. And I also think this is just kind of the plight of the privilege, regardless of what your privilege is. Is that on one sense, uh, um, you didn't do anything to get these privileges in life. This is all based on maybe your race or your economic class, or whatever it may be. But at the same time, you shouldn't turn those things down. Like, you shouldn't say, well, well, shit, uh, my life is easy. I want to make it harder just because John Doe has a harder life than me. Like, if you're born on third base, uh, for an as analogy, then you shouldn't be like, well, I'm going to go back to first because everybody else is, is starting. To make it fair. Right, right. You're not going to do that. You're going to, you, you know, life is a lot funner and a lot easier when it's easy. So you're not going to make yourself unnecessarily, dip. I mean, some people do. Some people were like, yeah. "I don't care. I'm, I'm, I, I'm. It's so unfair." But for the majority of uh, normal people, we're not going to turn down anything that's going to get us ahead in life. Um, so I understand definitely people who are privileged, because um, we all have different kind of privileges depending on what it is. You and I, as male, have different. You know, we, you know, we're minorities. We're black, so we have that part of it against. But we're also in a male-dominated society, so we have male privileges that put us ahead of women. Um, and we're not going to say, "Well, I'm gonna stop doing it just for the sake of that." Even though we know it's wrong, and either we don't we don't want to necessarily lean into it, but we're not going to deny things that can help us get along and make our life harder just for the sake of making our life harder, just because some other people are underadvantaged. Um, so I definitely see where that guy is coming from. He's like, yeah, I, I mean, I know I didn't do a lot to earn it, but at the same time, I still have to do something. 
It's not yeah. like I'm just waking up and, and nothing and I don't do anything. At least that guy. Um, yeah, there yeah. are people in this world who literally trust fund kids who don't do trace. anything. Yeah, trace. Yeah. And they just kind of coast. So um, yeah. I understand both sides of it. I think this was a good way to showcase uh, for people who may not have had this experience how because uh, it's one thing to say how you're privileged, how you're not privileged. Um, but when you kind of show it in, in a real setting or real like the way they set it up was really, really, really good. Uh, so I appreciated that part of it. Um, and I think it is weird that Tariq like murdered his father, but he's still obsessed with the rest of his family. He murdered his father. He was responsible for his sister's death. Uh, so I do really believe him when he thinks family is the ultimate thing. Um, and that means kind of getting back to his mom and his sister. Uh, and even grandma. I don't know grandma mm-hmm. where the hell she is right now. Um, so I, I, I think he does, have, in, in his, his warped sense, does believe family is his main goal, even though he's done a lot to hurt his family more than he's done to help it thus far in his life. So so you got any uh, thoughts about the scene or whatever? Uh, mainly that he is kind of the same thing. Um, it's, it's, it, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a little weird on the writing sense um, from book one to now uh, that one, yeah, he, he wrote family, which, you know, it makes sense. He wants to, you know, re- reunited with his family. But at the same time, it's like, and I, I could, one of these days, either on here or, or my personal podcast, I'm going to talk about how, when you binge a series um, outside of the hype, well, not the hype, but in real time, your your perception of it is different because I don't have the same perception of a lot of the, the original characters that I, that a lot of people who watch it in real time have. Um, because my first thought when he wrote Family was like, after, and of course, you got to, you know, go listen to last week's episode. I, I'm. I hate the fact that they often take shots at his father on this show. But like, if you really look at it, he's literally doing the same thing. Ghost spent five or six seasons in his show trying to do. And that was get out of the game for the sake of his family. And I, I don't know if people have picked up on that. It is literally the same motivation. Um, well, I need my dad's money. You wouldn't need your dad's money if you hadn't killed him for doing what you're literally trying to do. That was the entire series of book one. The The goal was for ghosts to get out of the game. Um, but people, when they look back on it, they talk about it as if he was a full participant in the game when he was really reluctant the entire time, just like Tariq is now. Um, but hey, what do I know? Uh, we get a real quick scene, another really nice um, uh, relationship scene full of communication uh, that I thought was nice um, about Effie really wanting to get out of this life for real and start a new life uh, without the the violence and the drugs. Um, and she was getting ready. It looks like she was getting ready to spill the beans about Lauren, um, which, you know, Eventually has to happen, whether it's from her or someone else. But I mean, even I knew it wasn't going to happen on on the campus um, and out in the open like that. Um, what did you feel about that? And uh, let's get into uh, <laughs> Diana's visit from Poppy. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think you summed it up pretty well. It's just like a cute emotional, not emotional, yeah, emotional relationship scene between these two. Um, I think I like that they actually shown these two kind of getting closer as far as their romance or whatever it may be. 
It's not just like weird sex between two teams. They actually talking about their futures, their feelings. So I, you know, I'm vibing off all of that. I think it's all cool. I think it's it's cute that they're making Effie and Tariq's relationship much more than the superficial kind of thing that we see a lot of the times in these TV shows. Um, and as far as like Zoe and Diana, you knew it wasn't over. Uh, she thought it was gonna be a one-time thing that she was about to move this product for him, but he's in the bind. And it's said that he has to go back to his daughter. And it's also said that they emotionally abused this girl to make her think that her family comes first when they don't put her first often. They're often mistreat her, often putting her in horrible situations that they shouldn't have to put her in when this girl just wants to literally just go to school. Like, I, I get it. The older brothers, uh, especially when Kane for sure, he all about it. You know, so give him all the missions you want to. Drew, I think, has mixed feelings. I think if he could go to art school like Diana did, or if he started earlier and got the opportunity Diana did, that he would probably go off and go off to art school and go be wherever and have fun and call it a day. So I think he's half half in, half out. But she truly doesn't want to be involved in this. But they keep using the pressure that she's doing it for her family, even though her family doesn't give like kind of return that favor to her. And they're just kind of emotionally manipulating this little girl. And I feel bad for Diana in all these types of scenes. In any interaction with her family, I feel bad because I think they're mistreating her. What about what do you think? They're totally, I agree. They're totally mistreating her, um, at least her parents. Um, Drew and Kane. I, I'm a little I'm a little sad that we haven't had many Drew and Diana interactions because um I really enjoyed how close they were in the first two seasons. Um before Diana started throwing everybody on the bus. But um, you know, even Kane showed some some sympathy and not necessarily sympathy, but like some some care and affection to his sister. But yes, her parents, um, yeah, they they totally abuse and take advantage of her because Poppy came up there with a sat with a sob story last on the last episode. Like he, you know, I'm desperate. I wouldn't do this if I you know if I didn't need you to. And this week when and I mean, I'm kind of glad that they just like, <laughs> they just uh, trust us. She sold all the drugs. Don't worry about how she did it. Just know that she sold it all. Um, she's, you know, you know, of course she's reluctant, but the moment she's reluctant, he immediately goes, remember, I paid for all this. You know, he did that, that classic parent thing it was like, well, I'm the one who bought, you know, bought all this stuff. You know, you couldn't pay me. I mean, you didn't give her money for books, but you know, I paid for your schooling, so you, I need you to do this for me. And then, he, you know, tries to put the sugar on top of it. It's for the family. Um, so it's like, yes, they are absolutely taking advantage of her. And that's why I found it perfect that the next scene was essentially Monet being told by Davis that she needs Diana. Because Diana's the only one with a clean record who can give her an alibi so that they can move forward on getting uh, Dickman suspended. Right. Um, Which is, is another shitty thing about Monet because she immediately goes to literally couldn't even let the girl is, 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 is celebrate Zeke and, and have a little family meeting before she was ultimately like totally disrespectful to her. And But now that she needs her again, is willing to kind of force her back into the game and use yeah. her to kind of just it, it, it ultimately use her to do something horrible that she wasn't. Uh, and, and when we get to see, we'll talk about it. But she set her little daughter up to be overly involved in something that she tricked her and, and made her an accomplice to that she didn't want nothing to do with. Even though, I mean, nothing to do with in that aspect of it, even though she did agree to do part of the bad deed. Um, but that just shows you. I don't know I don't know if Monet really cares about, I don't, I don't know if it was because it was teenage love or young love, and that's why she was so connected to Zeke. 
but she does not show the same love to her three kids who she was with day every day like zeke from what they seem moved there later when he was time to go to college but he was like with his damn family down south she raised these kids every day and the way that she can just kind of discard them is is sickening and it's not very motherly it's not i think i i i can assume i want to assume that part of it is because in the back of her head she knows she let the oldest one go like i think she and that's not it's obviously not their fault but like i think she took the resentment she felt for you know pretty much sending her her first son away and knowing that he's out there um i think she she took that out on them um which is you know it's none of their fault um it's partially not on i mean it i mean she, she got to take a little bit of responsibility for it but like i think she because she was in a bad spot um she did what she you know her and her family did what they thought was best but i think she she ultimately like harbored some guilt uh for for doing what she did to Zeke all those years ago um and I, you could tell she kind of made she started to in her way make up for it when they when when he moved up there by like showing him a bit more favoritism um so of course they're going to internalize it as why is she you know showing more love to our our cousin quote quotation marks than us um and then of course when you find out that they're actually all brother and sister you know realistically they would probably be even more resentful because it's like well he's a brother he's a sibling like us um but i mean when once you strip away all the personal direct attachment that they're that they're feeling it's all human emotion human emotion um but i think it's just like obviously because of the the unique nature of it it's like you don't want, really want to condone a lot of the actions taken by everyone, but I get it. Um, I said all that to say um, she now needs Diana to give an alibi to Whitman. While this is going on, Monet, who we Monet is where Kane gets his hot head in this from. She wants someone to break into Whitman's house and steal files um, that we don't even really know are at the house. But she that's her goal. Um, which Davis is like, look, whatever, I'll, I'll find it. Um, anything on that before we go on? Nah, I think, I think we got it. All right. We got our meeting with RSJ who at some point they need to say his name fully. Um, I know they said it in the last episode, but I just didn't go back and watch it. Um, and <laughs> uncle Luke blows it. He, he approaches it like he's a little tone deaf. Um, and you know, his, to a degree, his intentions are purely business, but his approach was, he just, he just fumbled. Um, and it's one of those things where he felt like he thought he was bringing a straight shooter and acknowledging, um, it to a degree, it was, a, it was sort of the double-edged sword of knowing when to, and when not to acknowledge someone's, um, ethnicity. Um, and he, he. He, he botched it, but he obviously used Tariq as his token black face, um, which I'm glad that they're not shy about, not necessarily shy, but they're not oblivious to it. Um, but he, he seems to know about James St. Patrick. And I, I thought it was, I thought it was real poignant that he told him like, you need to use what you can and use 
what your father late like left you and the the words he used was you owe it to your old man um which i thought was real poignant for Tariq, especially with what he's going through and this writer fueled venom he has towards his father um anything on that uh i mean yeah, i just think you know i think the pressing part was like you saw what happened when Tariq failed these white people they automatically went to like your internship is online Either yeah. use your blackness to get that black man to do business with us or your ass is out of here. And which is typical to a lot of times. We only as good to them as what we can provide to them. So that, that that was like the biggest takeaway. Like, you know, is that Tariq knows he ain't worth nothing to them unless he can give something back in return. And then Tariq did what he always does. Got into his bag and tried to find a way to make it work. Yeah. I think that, that part made me mad because it's like realistically, it, this is the... I guess you could say the corporate version of my my henchman uh, gripe in no world. Are you asking a college intern that I don't even know if, if he's 21 yet to go sign this billionaire to like threaten him an unpaid intern? Well, I don't know if they're getting paid. I doubt they're getting paid. Well, they might be getting paid. Some some colleges got it like that. Stansfield is pretty pres- prestigious. But like, like you're not tasking an intern with a, a do or die mission to to land a billionaire that you the head of the firm botched like that's just not real yeah um in the real world Tariq could have easily went to roland martin and said this is what this white dude did to me and it's pretty much a rap for that guy i mean well, not a rap world, but he, they would have yeah. some token executive black person in it, or they would have bought kiki in they exactly have fucking some 19 year old college student who have been there for barely two weeks. History, right. Yeah. Who has been accused of murdering a cop to be involved in it at all. But, you know, TV, TV. Right. Right. So from there, we get Monet <laughs> pretty much running up on Diana like a, <laughs> like a terrible boyfriend. Like, he's like a like, terrible boyfriend. I said, <laughs> girl, you just told this girl you ain't even a part of my family like a day before. And now you got the nerve to come to her door and have the audacity to be upset with her and tell her she needs to do something for you. And that's not. And then when she was like, uh, she kind of gave her an apology, I guess. It was a fuckboy apology. And then she was like, like uh, is that what you want? I was like, <laughs> right. Monet, Monet is so horrible to Diana. If I was Diana, <laughs> I would have punched her in her face and said, Mom, oh, I'm done man. with your ass. But of course, <laughs> Diana, like the other Tahada kids, are so starved for affection and attention. And uh, pat on the head from their parents, she immediately agreed to be a part of this shenanigans, even though she didn't really apologize. She was nasty to her and sassy to her her entire time. Uh, So a testament to both Monet and, uh, well, not Monet, but Mary J. Blige and whoever, I don't know the woman, uh, the actress who plays Diana. I think they do do a good job of vibing with each other. And we know Mary J. Blige. It's good to be. I like. I think she's excellent to be Monet, but she's not the greatest actress. Uh, but her scenes with Diana, I think they do a good job of of interacting well and having a nice little chemistry. Uh, even though every time I want to see them together, I want to just choke Monet for how bad she is to her daughter. <laughs> oh man, when I tell you, Monet was on fuckboy tactics. Just the way she was talking to her, like it was really on some like, so what's up? You gonna do this for me or not? Like she really ran up on her like she was borrowing some money. You know, like she was. Like a sound, like a broke SoundCloud rapper to her girlfriend. It was it was wild, uh, but you know 
as you said, she's starved for approval and, and acceptance and acknowledgement from her parents. Um, so she, you know, she, of course, agreed. Uh, meanwhile, Drew's out here living on the edge. Um, and again, I, I really do want to I really do want to take my hat off to we, we have a long way to go. But a lot of people on the Internet are not being as weird about Drew as I thought they would be. And we'll see when this episode comes out. But like, yeah, I, I totally buy that. You know, there are some drug empires that have um, homosexuality embedded in them. And it's, it's more so as I feel like it should be in all business. I mean, obviously crime is bad, but like in, in any organization, it's just like if that ain't got nothing to do with business, it really shouldn't be an issue. Because um, even he said, uh, I forgot which one is this. One of the G's. I forgot which one. Yeah, this I'm not, I'm just gonna look at the Costello boys. I don't know. Yeah, because yeah. Um, I he, he was just like, yeah, my brothers. You know, they was a little weird about it at first, but as long as I handle business, is it's whatever. I agree. I mean, just real quick, I mean, cut you off, but like, I will no, say you're that good. it is props that like, cause drug dealing, you in gangs and all this shit are usually super masculine, homophobic kind of environments. Uh, so how realistic is we don't know we we don't do drugs we don't sell drugs we aren't in drug gangs, um, but the fact that they seem to be open and welcome into just as hard as having a gay son and a gay brother and then they're also the Castillos having a gay brother who is openly gay they're not seeking around and then they are secretly hiding behind the fact that they may mess with each other, um, but they aren't hiding the fact that they are gay in general. So uh, props to them, props to uh, the show uh, for having a strong gay character. And it's not like this token just gay for the sake of being gay, which, you know, people always talk about this gay agenda, which I don't think is a real thing. But I'm just, you know, for lack of a better term, that's not the case here. I think they are gay, but it's not like their sole purpose for being in the show. Um, and, and the fact that they're they're accepted by their family is cool. I like it. Indeed. Um, <clears throat> I got it playing back. Gordo. Gordo is the, the guy. Um, and Gordo gives Drew the idea well, not the idea, but he kind of helps them out with um, a solution to their their gun running problem, which I'm glad that this was the solution that they came up with. Um, one big drop, uh, which I was like, perfect. Get all that stuff out of there. So henchman number one can bring some other stupid task. But I'm glad it's, it wasn't at least theorized. It wasn't going to be an ongoing thing. Um, he pretty much wants to sell, mm, sell to some. To some racist uh, extremists, uh, obviously they're they're reluctant, but at the same time, um, they're kind of in a pinch, so they don't really have time to be on the side of like you know woke, not necessarily wokeness, but like uh, you know doing the right thing. Um, they need a white face, and Kane is like, y'all, we're in luck, we got one of them. Uh, so obviously, this means it's time for uh, for Braden to step back up. So from there, we get. Tate, who at first it didn't look like he was going to, but I'm glad he came to clean to Tariq about them um, <laughs> pretty much uh, squeezing him for info. Of course, it came at a price. This man. Oh, my God, bro. Well, first of all, before we even get to that, Tate gave him some some really sound advice um, on the RSJ issue, like find out what he needs and give it to him. You know, that's how these these rich and powerful guys move. They need something they need. You need to be useful to him. 
Um, that's how you're going to get them. Uh, but Tate being Tate, <sighs> he he was tiptoeing on the uh, the unrealistic demand situation. This man wanted a, a, a weekly donation to his campaign of five thousand dollars bro yeah i i mean obviously it's kind of known that um I've, I've had dealings and run-ins with uh the game and whatnot but to fleece me like you're pretty much extorting me for five thousand a week over some info and it wasn't even no good info i mean it wasn't the best it i mean it helped I would, I would never pay that man no money in my life if at most this is putting a target on tate's back if i'm Tariq. Like, this is one of those times you need to start thinking like Ghost and Uncle Tommy. It's like, yeah, this is going to get expensive. And that's that's an expensive-ass Netflix account. Yeah. Like, yeah, and go I'm for curious, it. Does, does the day ever come where Tariq is like, oh, Tate, like, you know what? I could just get rid of you. Like, because like, he's constantly letting Tate, like, manipulate him or get stuff off of him. But I'm like, at some point, I'm like, dog, I would just kill you. And I would just threaten Tate and see what Tate does about it. Um, but you know, Tate always is very res resourceful, so maybe that's not the best thing to do. But I, I do think I, there has to be some tipping point where Tate can't just constantly threaten Tariq or, or kind of uh, extort Tariq without Tariq actually doing something about it. Uh, but you know, we'll see how it goes. Right now, he's still playing ball with him. Uh, he's willing to give him the five thousand dollars in Bitcoin every week or whatever it is uh, for the little bit of information. And all the information was that basically Blanca is looking into the death of Dante Spears. And Tariq just basically says, I don't know who Dante Spears is anyway. Uh, so to me, it's like, how is that even valuable information to me if I'm Tariq? I mean, it's, uh, we know it's valuable. But if Tariq says, I don't know anything about it, who cares? What is, why, why do I need to pay you $5,000 a week just to let me know that somebody's looking into Dante's death? We already right. know somebody's looking into Dante's death. Right. At most, now he knows that Blanca, Blanca's around. And does he even know um, Blanca? I don't even know if he has. Have they had personal interactions? I don't even know. Uh, I think I so. Blanca only interacted with his mom, but uh, I, you know. I don't think so in this series. I want to say towards the end uh, the of book one. Okay. Yeah. Because um, I think, I feel like she might have been one of the ones interrogating him. Uh, it's so long. I mean, these shows start yeah. running together. It, yeah. Yeah. So we get a real quick scene where, um, just to make it quick, Sax presses out Sullivan, and he is now embedded into this Rico super team, quotation marks. Anything on that? Nah. I mean, it just kind of showed that everybody kind of opened up something. Uh, even though she didn't tell the truth, like that, she, she made it seem like that was Blanca calling, and we find out in the next scene it was actually Lauren who was constantly blowing up her phone. Go into it. Um, basically, because she left her in that house alone with no Wi-Fi, <laughs> and I think she said a couple of cans of spam or something like that. <laughs> uh, so Lauren is at her breaking point. Um, you know, it, it, not surprising. She's a what nineteen, twenty year old woman uh, who has been separated from her family, separated from her life. Damn, at least give her TikTok. You know, give her right. the fucking internet. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not surprised that she's she's kind of shaky, especially since Sullivan doesn't ever seem to tell her what is going on as far as like how long this is going to be. Like she constantly asks her for information, and we as viewers know Lauren knows nothing. Lauren was never connected to any of the legal dealings. She did meet uh, Kane once or twice just in passing and, and talking to Braden. She was responsible for getting them on on tape, but she never was involved in any of the shadiness that. Tariq was involved in, Effie was involved in. Um, so she doesn't really have a lot of information to give, but Sullivan is keep pressing her about like she wants stuff from her. Um, and I don't think she has anything to give. And I understand why she's going to stir crazy. I would be too if I well, didn't have any communication with the outside world. 
Fair. But she does get, uh, with all that said, she does actually give her some good information. Oh, she yeah. She basically gives it. her the drop location for how they were moving course correct. Uh, she tells her that while she never saw Kane up there, she did see Tariq on the rooftop in a secret location that um, Lauren had showed to her, and that she also saw another member of the Tahada family, Diana, in the same exact location. And that was yes. enough to get Sullivan to say, well, maybe this is a spot that we need to look into. And I think um, she later says that she's going to put up cameras in that location. And we know Effie has opened back up that location. So we'll, yeah. we, we'll see. We'll have to wait to see if Effie gets caught on camera um, or not. She also placed Monet as being in contact with Tariq and and mentioned that um, his, his energy changed whenever she would come around. Right. Uh, but, yeah, everything you said is spot on, like – she's she has every right to be uh frustrated um so we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see if she pulls an escape plan and just tries to say f it and leaves on her own um so <laughs> oh boy we get this this interaction between kane and lorenzo where i thought i was waiting for it to come to blows um right they, we they get definitely put some hands to foreheads or chest or something he definitely poked them called um, that man lorenzo like, like they were equal. Like that's not your father. He he called that man Lorenzo like, like they were coworkers, and Kane just got the new supervisor position, and Lorenzo been there for ten years. Um, like with his entire diaphragm, not just his chest, all that. And I was like, oh, this is probably going to be the breaking point for for Lorenzo because Kane's been putting a little too much on on this new leash of his. Um, but yeah, we knew it was going to come to a head that. Lorenzo was going to like, look, you can't keep like bossing me around. Like, not I mean, openly. you're in the position. Huh? Yeah, I was, I was saying not open. Like he was saying not openly. Like we get it. Yeah. And he even says, uh, you know, you got something over me, but on paper and to everybody else, I'm the head of this family. Right. And it, it can't and keep looking like you are, or you know, and I think Kane uh, needs to learn that aspect. And later in the episode, we know that he does learn it, but I think he, he was like going overboard with his father. In the sense that he was like openly disrespecting him, getting people to beat on him, when for for everybody except other than those two, Lorenzo is still the head of the family. So all you're doing is make your family look bad by undercutting your father, uh, unless you're going to really sup, uh, you know surpass him in the sense that you, you know, he makes an announcement: "Hey, Kane is in charge. I'm stepping back. Kane is the boss." It, but without doing that, you're just undercutting your father constantly. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Oh, you want to you want to take a wild guess at what my notes say for this next scene? I gotta see what the next scene. Uh, this is oh the freaking TA thing. This TA, yeah. Uh, I mean, we knew it was it was studying his shirts off. Right, we knew it was bound to happen. I think my issue was just like this this TA. He's I don't know, man. He's playing it like like (laughs) he's played it like a a classic what we know to be a classic like college campus hotel mm-hmm. is like every time there's a bit like you, every time you think he's going to be kind of like level every day, you know, chatting with her, he immediately turns into like this therapist um, just that just reeks of hotepery and is his delivery is just kind of strange. And the only thing I'm, well, I mean, all I kept thinking is like, I don't I'm trying to figure out personality wise what Diana sees in him. Um 
And I guess if I had to put my finger on it, I guess it's because he, as far as characters go, um, with the exception of Effie last season, he's probably the only person that like genuinely talks to her and wants her input on what she thinks and how she feels about things pertaining to her. Mm -hmm. Because up until this point, everything was for the family. I mean, I think that's exactly what it is. I think he is, uh, you know, older person. I don't. I mean, he's not like thirty five, but he's definitely older because he's a TA. He's probably a, a grad student, so he has some years on her. And also, he's giving her. I think he, you know, he's doing a lot of things that people do. That he's like emotionally manipulating her because he knows she is a person who's on the outside of her family, who has not been given the love and support of her family. So all he's doing is giving her small things that show that he supports her or that her opinions or whatever it is is valued and for somebody who is a star for attention or star for positive reinforcement that's an easy way to get them to kind of on your side and i think that's just what he's doing uh, and i think ultimately it's going to come out that he is off, off some up to some shenanigans um but that's all he's really doing he's giving her positive reinforcement and he's also trying to separate her like many People who like emotionally abuse people separate them from their family because he's telling her basically you need to drop your family, cut your family off. They're bad for you. In a sense, I'm good for you. Um, yeah. So, so I think that's what it is. Just an older guy praying on, a, on, you know, for lack of a better term, praying on a young girl who he knows has emotional kind of issues. Indeed. So, in the spirit of her cutting herself off from her family, uh, she go at the moment at the time we believe that she goes to Detective Whitman. To, to do just that. Uh, she wants to take not her family down, but Monet down. Um, obviously, Whitman really wouldn't care in the grand scheme. Um, like, a, like, you know, a dog with a scent. He's going he's gonna to use this to get more. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he appeals to her, her genuineness, um, which, again, Diana does a great job of selling this. Uh, and the plan is to sneak into the Tejada house and get some falsified books. Uh, that pretty much just records of money laundering. Right. Um, any any thoughts on that? No, I mean I know it's, it's hindsight twenty twenty, and we know what happened. But I knew what I knew what the plan was once she really did it. I was like, I know Diane is not really returning her family. Yeah. Because uh, we, we just because we know how she has like caved to him so much. Um, now ideally. She should do what she really did and really set her mother up to get the hell out of here because her mother is a, the big cause of a lot of her her, her uh, turmoil in life. But I knew this was a setup to get Whitman. Now, I didn't know what they was going to do, what they ultimately did. We'll talk about when we get to it. But I, I knew it was a way that they was going to either try to do something to bust him to make them get off Monet's back, not really believing Diana was going to help him in any kind of way. Indeed. So coming off of that scene where Kane was – clearly doing too much to kind of belittle his father. Um, the next scene is essentially what, if he keeps it up, is going to end up turning Drew apart from the family. And that's, he pretty much forces Drew out of his own deal. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and un- unfortunately, because he has uh, Lorenzo in his pocket and Drew's definitely not going to go against his father. Uh, it's, it's a bad, it's a bad look for Drew at the moment, at, at the moment it seemed. Um, but in the, at the time of watching, I was just like, Drew's going to go into business for himself one of these days Mm -hmm. because he's, he's already dealing with heartbreak over this, because of this family business. He, he lost someone he really cared about. Um, now the position he was given to a degree and was told he was going to be given 
seems to have gone to someone else who he was under the impression uh, was not going to get that position. Any thoughts? No, I think I think you're right. I think it's just setting up more resentment between the brothers and more Drew peeping something that's off in this dynamic because the father is too subservient now. When yeah. before he was ready to knock King's head off every other time, they said something that even possibly challenged him. So it, it's setting up for some type of big confrontation down the line. Yep, yep. So from there, we get a real quick scene where everything is falling into place for the feds. Um, the of course, Blanca has an informant embedded with the uh, the white uh, extremist group that's going to buy these guns. Um, Blanca is going to go get a warrant to to place some cameras at uh, Stansfield. Mm-hmm. And like I said, um, things are looking good for team team uh, cops. Yeah. Uh, from there, we go to. Oh, sorry. Did you have anything? No, no. Go ahead. All right. From there, we get the second meeting with uh, with RSJ. Um Round two. And essentially what it boils down to is RSJ is looking to uh, build, uh, a de- so develop some property. Uh, some I want to say possibly Queens. I forgot exactly where. Yeah. And there's one particular building that's in the way that he doesn't have access to um, and he can't quite get out of his way. It's, it's holding up the project. Just so happens to be the site of the QCP. Right. So there's TV. Which, there's TV, TV. Exactly. And then, like, um, I, I kind of feel bad because the QCP was supposed to be dedicated to Reyna and her memory, and now we're not going to... The QCP is going to fall apart. All the ghosts tried to build with the QCP to help Queens will never get it. At Tariq's hand. Yeah. Like, Tariq greenlit that. Like, which makes it even... Memory. Legacy. Right. Which is like, and it's even like, just like you said, that building was for Reyna, who Tariq is responsible for getting killed. Um, but for the sake of his own gain, which is something that he he swore up and down uh, was all Ghost was about, he gave it up. Um, he said that, you know, if you, if you buy it, I'll just have some more money waiting for me uh, when I finally graduate. Um so I was like, down goes the QCP, which, wow, another, you know, another, another spit on Ghost Grave. Uh, anything on that before we go to the drop? Uh, no, I think, I think, I think we wrapped it up pretty good. Okay. So we're getting close to the end of the episode. We get a really well done, well, I almost said drug, uh, but a gun exchange. Braden did great. He, he handled himself perfectly. Um, he just wasn't he just wasn't anticipating him to be to be made as such. Uh, he I feel like he his body language and the way he carried everything was fine where he stood when they were, you know, unloading everything made sense. He's keeping an eye on them to a degree, even though he's kind of looking at his phone. Mm-hmm. Um, That's something I didn't like about it. Like he yeah. Focused on the task. Ahead. But, yeah. You know, and he's also 19. So exactly. And he shouldn't be in the situation. Um so it's I'm interested in seeing where how that comes back into play. Um, meanwhile, he goes back to and this was this was it, it sucked for him, but this was the best thing to happen for him. Um, he is immediately dismissed after he drops off the money, which I'm like, dang, that's kind of messed up. But well, it made no, perfect. No interest in talking to him. Right. <laughs> Even early in the earlier scene, he tried to be buddy baby with Zoe. He's like, it's an honor to meet you. And Zoe was like, who is this goofy white boy? Right. But it it 
it also made sense on Zoe's part. It's like, because he, he felt like something was up and he wanted to get up out of there, um, which made perfect sense as Zoe being the experienced guy, which would pay off. Um, right. It, it, to me, you know, Kane's, you know, why you need to count the money there? Like, because yeah. at this point, you don't know where the white boys are. If they if they beat you out the money, they beat you out the money regardless. So go somewhere where you're not exposed and you're not out in the open in this ratty motel. <clears throat> so they really should have took their money and ran. Because at that point, even if it was short, you don't know where those white boys are. You didn't. You don't even know what they look like because Braden did all the interaction. So if you really wanted to count the money, you should have kept Braden there to count the money together. And if it was short, then you had Braden to kind of point these guys out. Um, but instead, Kane being the high head he is, basically kicked him out. And then, like the show, you know, they got to have some type of action in it. The white boys decided that they are like, hell, uh, even though I don't understand it, because they said they want to do future business with them, so I don't understand why they would turn right around and try to rob them. Um, because they said they wanted to do more business with them. They wanted to get more guns. And they didn't mind their interactions with Braden. They, you know, it wasn't like they was like, oh, I hate Braden. I want to get him. Um, so I didn't understand that part of it, but then we also so we basically had this crazy shootout where the white extremists try to run up in there, and Kane and Lorenzo are the best shots on earth because they don't miss any of the the, the, the initial shots of the people running into the room. Even though they're caught off guard, they drop three bodies immediately, and then when they get outside, it is some back and forth. Uh, do you want to give a little two cents on your on your thoughts of the shootout scene and, and the interactions? Um, I feel like it's been a while since we've had a shootout. So it was refreshing. Um, you know, that's, you know, him, them dropping those bodies. It only made sense because it's a choke point. They they can only get in one way. Um, we get Drew and Gordo to the rescue, uh, which was perfect timing. And we find out why later. But I thought that went really well. Um, and we also get them pretty much not necessarily failing, but like coming up. Because they got the money, and because they killed all the extremists, they get the guns back. They get the guns back. We could sell them again. Um, but I thought that I thought that went down really well. Unfortunately, um, our boy Gordo, he took one to the arm. Luckily, just a flesh wound. Uh, so, like I said, drew Which to the rescue. Uh, yeah, I, I, I never been shot before, but I don't imagine if I've been <laughs> shot that I'm be like, well, I'm shot, but I'm horny as hell. Let me let me start fucking right now. <laughs> All right, just laying in the hospital bed. Uh, thank you for patching me up, nurse. Now, if you could send whoever in, right. uh, I've really got to take care of these horn. This adrenaline's got me feeling some kind of way. If you could shut the door on your way out, please. Uh, but you know, TV, and um, I, I mean, again, kudos to Drew because you know he 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 looked strong. Because he came through. Um, I mean, he basically and saved back, the day. He, he saved yeah, he said he... And his, and, his, and his father. Totally. And he, you know, and he gets the ice cream at the end of the mission. Uh, so, you know, kudo to him. But this is obviously going to be a problem going forward. Um, and we'll get, we'll cross that bridge whenever we get to it. Um, why don't you go into that, that father-son moment? Uh, so we finally get to the point where... Kane and his father come to some type of agreement in the fact that, and Lorenzo said it himself, regardless of what's going on between them, you're still my son. You still are from me. Um, and, and we didn't talk about it in detail, but in the middle of the shootout, uh, Kane is about to get hit, and Drew kind of pushes him out of the way to stop him from getting shot. So Lorenzo. I'm sorry, Lorenzo. So just, yeah. in spite of all the beef they had and Kane was trying to clown his father and put his father down, when push came to shove and it was time to save his seed or his son, Lorenzo did what any good father 
you know, given the circumstances, will probably do and did what he had to do to protect his son. Um, so, and I think this is going to be good for the story long term because now they are in a point where they have mutual respect for each other. Uh, Kane's not going to be bullying his dad like he used to, and he's also saying the secret is safe, so he's not going to be constantly hoarding this over them. So I think it's actually going to make them a much better dynamic when it comes to running the business because they'll go back to more being partners or, or you know, they're not really equals, but they'll go back to, like, instead of this constant, Kane just trying to put his weight on top of Lorenzo because he had got the level of knowledge over him, that they'll actually make smarter business moves because he'll actually listen to his father's input. Um, so they basically made up. And, uh, you know, we always want to see fathers and sons getting along if they can. Uh, you have any uh, thoughts on it? No, nah, I thought it was it was done really well. Um, I, I kind of would have, I mean, it, it was obviously not the best arrangement, but I, I wouldn't have minded maybe one more episode of uh, Kane being a, a little bit of a dick to his dad. You know, he did have him jumped in jail by grown security, you know, by grown police officers. So, you know, maybe I mean, a little bit more. Disrespecting his mother. So, fair. I mean, I guess fair. it's already fair to get yourself beat up regardless of what the reason is. Right. Uh, motivation is fair, but yeah, the the execution was overkill. Um that was definitely overkill. But yeah, I thought it was really I thought it was really well done. I thought it was really nice. And um why should the father and sons have all the the excitement? Meanwhile, back at the Tejada house, Whitman in crackhead disguise <laughs> uh and spy gear. <laughs> right. I don't know what that green light was. Uh yeah, I don't know how cameras work. I know I don't, but um, he he executes his part of the plan and sneaks into the house, and it's it's a setup. It's a setup. Down goes Whitman. They play the the um, the intruder card. Um, I get you to break into my house, therefore I can kill you. Um, and it looks it looks bad. Uh, so down goes Whitman, shot in the chest. And uh, this was and if real quick when they threw in the shot of tell Carrie what he she told her tell Carrie I said what's up or something like that so I thought that was yeah her, her little smart mouth ass had to throw that in basically confirming that she did kill Carrie like we know right. as viewers that she did but right she couldn't let that man go to his grave without confirming it to him so uh, Carrie just basically not Carrie uh Monet basically just being petty to Whitman before she also finishes him. But on top of that, um, Diana has now witnessed her mother, not just she, Diana has not just witnessed a murder. She's witnessed her mother murder someone in their living room. And it's a conscious uh, like she said. Yeah. Like she was like, she was really upset because you just basically made her, and Diana did a lot of shady stuff, but now you made her an accomplice to murder unwillingly. Um, and I think that's another, exactly. whole, you know, most good parents wouldn't do this to their children. Um, but, you know, we know that Sahara's aren't most parents. Yeah. My only thing I didn't like about the scene, I wish Diana would have two-pieced her ass. Yeah, <laughs> I was getting to that. I was like, if Kane got the the son, uh, the son make a wish, like wishing on a star, getting a boss up on your dad like that verbally and not get your head knocked off, uh, Diana got the other side of it where she got to to really rock her moms uh, without without worry of retaliation. Mm -hmm. Now, Monet is petty. I wouldn't be shocked well, if so she, she smacked her one day. Yeah, like in yeah, the next episode. Hit me too hard. Yeah, I was like, well, you wanted me to sell it. Um, and then we get the aftermath of that. Monet's going to give Davis high blood pressure because um, my man is stressed because, uh, again, she's 
they got they the writers. I mean, what's written, what's done is done. It's all recorded. But like, if Monet makes it to next season, they they gotta tighten up her character because it's like she's acting real erratic in her decision making, even down to the little stuff. Like Davis, kind of like he kind of hints at the file, and she reaches for it. Right, right. Say, like, yo, there's police all all over the place. What are you doing? How did you feel about that? Their interaction. I mean, like I said, it's typical Monet. Um, being her weird bossy self, even in the sense of, you know, like I said, it's a house for the police. You just murder somebody, and you're still being overly aggressive for no real reason. And they, and then she thinks she knows everything. Like this dude has been a lawyer in this field for a long, long time. Knows all about the legal system. And she tells she like, I'm still good, regardless of anything you got to say. He was like, this is not the plan. But she was like, her plan was better. And it, it, it ultimately, it does appear like it worked out. Um, as we see, uh, they are released basically the same night. There don't doesn't appear to be any charges pending. They said there won't be any charges or anything like that. Uh, so Monet's plan at this point does seem to have worked out. Um, but taking a risk of killing a cop, even when it's on suspension, um, is a bold move. And it looks like right now it paid off for Monet. So we'll see how the long term, you know, does this empower? Because right now Sullivan and, and Blanca don't know that he's dead. But once right. they find out he's dead, especially when they find out he's dead at the hands of Monet, you know, what kind of... Um, you know, worms is that, that going to like uncover? So we've got to see how that's going to play out. Indeed, indeed. Um, I think it's going to work out for her. I, I hope this isn't a thing that they kind of drag on because they kind of low key preset it with her getting the, the pictures and the timestamps of of him being outside of her apartment. Right. Um, it kind of it all falls into place for her perfectly. I think that's why she rushed to pull the trigger, literally and figuratively. Yeah, I mean, this um, they got a history of him. Her, not only harassing her, but being suspended from his job for right. harassing her. So, you know, they can tell us that he's just jealous, overzealous cop, mad because he had a personal relationship with somebody who's dead and was, you know, you know, on the fringe connected to his family. And, you know, he was just out for vengeance. And, then, yep. you know, he got what he got. And much like Greg Knox, down goes Detective Dickman. Mm-hmm. You will not be missed. Uh, so from there, um, real quick scene, uh, that pretty much results in Effie deciding, you know what, I'm going to take this secret to the grave. No one needs to know, especially not Tariq. And she, she asked Kane to like, look, like, I need you to respect this and not just the secret, but like what me and Tariq have. And we'll see how long that lasts. Exactly. At least on the surface, it seemed like he was okay with it. He was a little hurt because, you know, that seemed like he he wanted her to be the Bonnie to his Clyde, um, which I I get. in his own way, I think, you know, I didn't mean to control, but I think in his own way, Kane legitimately believes he has these feelings for Effie that I don't think he truly knows how to process. But he sees her as, you know, know, she's nice to look at. You know, we know Effie is a pretty woman. Um, she does the same kind of work that he does, so he doesn't have to hide that part of his life. And she can actually, like you said, be his body to his cloud as opposed to, you know, just some girl who may be pretty but doesn't know what he has to do, doesn't know how to get down like he does. So I think in his own warped kind of way, he does think he does. I think he really does have some type of feelings for Effie, and that's why he's willing to keep this secret. But I also don't think, from what we know about Kane, he's made to keep this secret long term. At some point, he's going to try to get Tariq out of there so he can take what he believes is his, which is which is a woman. Um, so we got to see how that's going to play out with these two. But I, I, at some point, Kane and Tariq are going to come to some type of battle. 
That's been building since they first met each other. And at some point they got a fist fight, gun fight, but something's going to happen. So we get a real quick scene that initially I was going to skip. Did you have any notes on the uh, the crime scene from the hotel? No, just that the fact that the the main bad guy, the main white boy was the CI. And he's the one that yeah. seemed to be shot in the back of the live. So we don't know what information he may have to, sh- to share. We don't know if he implicates Braden. We don't know what his involvement is once he, if he survives, mm-hmm. what he's going to end up giving to Blanca. And it's mighty convenient, and- of course, that Blanca is... Blanca must be on every case in the world, every case in New York, because she's tied to this case, she's tied to that case, she's on the RICO task force. What case isn't she involved in? But, you know, right. TV again, TV writing again. Well, you got to remember that he took he took pictures of, of Braden and his car. Yeah. Um, and why so, is Braden driving his personal car? Because, you know. Come on, bro. He, you know. You're rich. Get a rental. You know. Exactly. Borrow something. But you shouldn't be driving that Benz. You know, granted, he didn't drive it to the scene itself, but he immediately hopped right back in it once he left the, you know, got out of the little van. So mm-hmm. Braden just need to, but you know, he a rookie. He a rookie. Exactly. He's it out. Exactly. So initially, I was pretty much just going to chalk that up as to, you know, a whatever scene. Um, we're going to do something. I'm going to do something that I haven't really done. I don't think I've ever done before. We're going to shout out somebody. Um, I was messing around on TikTok today and shout out to Get em Tay 2.1. On TikTok, because I was scrolling through TikTok, it was, you know, I've already watched the episode, so it was pretty, you know, I, I, you know, I was, I was free, I was spoiler free. And they picked up something that I never would have realized. It would have been a big shock, but like, good catch. So when Blanca pulls up and she's talking to that agent, any idea on who that was? Who? The guy? Uh, I don't know. The agent that she was talking to? She was getting the info from? Nah, who was it? That was Junior. Who's Junior? That was Angela Valdez's nephew from way back during those episodes with Paz. That's Paz's son. How is he a DEA agent already? I I can't remember. He was a teenager. Wasn't he like going to college? I I think he was. Okay, well, you got to, yeah, when we get done, send me, if you still know where to find that guy's link, I'd like to see what his theory because. No, no, that that's literally him. Like okay. I went to IMDb, and that's what they it, said the, it was. The credits, the oh, credits okay. match. All right, the credits match. I thought he was like a. Wasn't he like a teenager? I thought he was like. Uh, I believe college. so. I, I I can't remember because I didn't go back to you know season five, the Who Shot Ghost days. Yeah. But yeah, um, I thought I that was that was a big catch. Shout out to you. Um, so I think I'm wondering how many other people picked up on that. I'm wondering. I, I would. I would imagine it would be a thing. Um, I don't think it'd be a big thing, because there's no real reason for it to be. Well, who knows? I mean, no, nah, he wouldn't really know about, huh? I said I didn't recognize him at all, and also the time I don't mind it. Me neither. How does he go from about to go off to college or barely in college to being a full-on DA agent? The same the way. It's been the, like two years. The, the same way Tariq and Braden and Effie were in high school and then got into college. Half a year early, yeah, so, TV. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, power logic. Give it a TV, but yeah, I'll, a good catch. Uh, yeah, if you yeah. Uh, had the link or know how to get it available, so we send that to me so I can check it I, out. I'll, so I'll show it to you. Um, so from there, we get Monet uh, checking out the this file, and this was a reveal that came a lot sooner than I anticipated. Uh, but keeping with the cat and mouse theme, um, partial prints 
from Zeke's murder scene match Mecca. Um, no, Mecca, excuse me. They, they match. They match Lorenzo. Yeah. So she's now on guard for that, and she's kind of put some pieces together as well. I mean, she had to be half an idiot not to realize why. Like, why would he be there? And he's never boarded up. So, Wait, I, I, you know I, what? To me, I thought that, I agree. I think this is something that, that I thought they would. I mean, eventually, I know Monet was going to find out that he was involved in it, but I thought this was something they were going to take to like episode ten, and we are only on what, episode four. I didn't. I can't remember. Didn't they have a meeting? Didn't Kane bring, bring? Yeah, Kane set up a meeting between Mecca and Lorenzo at that hangar before, like when Kane was still on the outs and he was now running for Mecca. I want to say he set up a meeting. Maybe that's where those those fingerprints came from. Because the night of the but shooting, it's just going to leave. He didn't touch anything. Like he was, he shot Zeke. No, no, no. no. I, I want to say, yeah, but I, I want to say that this might put. This might put Lorenzo at the hangar at some point. Now, I don't know if the dates match up, but yeah, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, or it could have been possibly because I and we'd have to go back and watch. Um, didn't no he because he shot. Did he go and check the body? Did he go and check Zeke's body? And then he found out it oh, was Zeke. That's why. Yeah, because he knew. No, actually, he didn't know because it wasn't until he got back to. The place, and she got the call that Zeke was dead, that he found out he had shot Zeke. He thought okay. he had shot Mecca. And I don't remember him touching. I think he had shot him from, I mean, I thought he had shot, I thought I remember him shooting him from a distance, and he didn't know who he had shot. He just assumed it was him because he had got out of Mecca's car because he was driving that little uh, Porsche. And he uh-huh. got out, he was running up the plane, and he shot him from far away. And then I think when Monet got the call that Zeke was dead, and when he was killed, I think that's when he was like, oh, shit, I messed up. Um... But I could be misremembering. I got to go back and look. Uh, but basically, at this point, we know that Monet knows that at some point, I don't know if she knows, that Lorenzo was there when Zeke, you know, at the murder scene. Yeah. So does that mean she automatically thinks that he killed Zeke? Is that what she's going to start thinking? But if nothing else, it puts on the radar that somebody's lying to her and he hasn't been as honest and open as he, as he should have been. And that was how they wrapped up the show. Uh, and then, I don't always look at the previews. The previews for next week look weird as hell uh like all of a sudden in italy field trip yeah so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious to see what's gonna be the how the, how next week's gonna play out but let's you know we'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about it final thoughts for this week you got anything that you want to say that you ever already said anything you want to just kind of wrap us up for the night um again very satisfying episode um some twists and turns in there it's gonna be real interesting once um the rest of Team Fed uh, find out that Dickman died in the Tejada house. So that's going to put them on them even further. Um, I'm glad that they, I, I would, like I said, I would have liked to seen it go a little longer, but I'm, I'm curious to see where, um, you know, who knows? Maybe Lorenzo and Kane will play catch next week um, while Drew watches angrily uh, from a car. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting. At some point, Diana's going to reach her breaking point. Uh, but all in all, satisfied episode. I'll give I'd give it I'll give it an A minus because I thought it did. A, I thought it did a really good job of showing a lot of people's um, kind of, you know, ability to move on the fly. Uh, but it also it humbled Kane, which needed to happen at some point. And uh, Tariq, at the cost of uh, his family's legacy, uh, leveled up a little bit and got a connection in RSJ. What, what were your thoughts? 
Yeah, I like I said, I think it was a pretty solid episode. I think it did a lot to build some um, intriguing storyline moving forward. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't great, great, but it was enough that I was entertained throughout the entire course of the hour. So I'm looking forward to future episodes, see where we're going to go from there. Um, but good, solid episode. Let's keep. Let's hopefully they can keep it moving. All right. So as always, you guys know where you can find us if you want to check out past episodes of the podcast and just get our thoughts. Um, if you find yourself in a binge fest and watching the uh, the last season of Power and Force and the first few seasons of Ghost, um, you can find this episode as well as others under the PLP podcast on pretty much all platforms. Uh, where can they find you specifically, sir? Uh, I don't know. POP Podcast. Conversation with Carlos D. Um, yeah, but I don't really do any podcasting other than this. So if you already listened to this, you know where you found me. You got it. All right. And you can find me at Off the Clock Podcast, O-F-F-T-H-A Clock Podcast on pretty much everything. And uh, we want to thank you guys for rocking with us. And we will see you next time.